On Devil Times 5 this month, we ask, which actors put the ham into Hammer Horror? That's right, get all of them! You are listening to episode 58 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. I'm Cliff, and this time round we've got zombies, werewolves, vampires, and whatever other messed up monsters you might find in London and its outskirts. Let's say hello to Luke, Emily, and surprise, it's CJ. Hey. All right. Hey. Hello. You all right? <laughs> what yeah. was that, Luke? That was your lad's hello. Yeah, you're all right, mate. You're all right. <laughs> you're all right, geese. <laughs> that's, that's Essex Comedian of the Year right there. <laughs> He's auditioning for a part in a Hammer, hammer film <laughs> as a working class man. <laughs> and our guest devil this month is stand-up comedian, cabaret singer, Twitter thread queen, Liza Minnelli impersonator, EastEnders fangirl, Sonic the Hedgehog guru, true crime podcaster, dressage horsewoman, plus actor... <laughs> It's the multi-multi-talented Suze Kempner. Hello. What a a very complete description of me. Thank you. Did I miss anything out? I feel like I did. No, I think like that's everything and more. I'm sure. (laughs) We have actually mentioned you on this podcast once before, back in the day, because of your uh, legendary connection to James Cameron's Aliens. Ah, yes. Yeah, my cat was the cat in Aliens. Get out. <laughs> yeah, Boris was Jonesy. I just rewatched that like two ah. weeks ago and I, I, I remarked on what a great cat it was. Strong cat work from, yeah. uh, he was a horrible cat and that was useful <laughs> for that film because <laughs> they had to get into his. What was it? Is your mum a cat trainer? For... No, Boris was uh, just a regular nasty piece of work ginger cat and my mum's friend gets animals for film and tv and stage mm. and she it, it's as dull as that she said your cats would hiss wouldn't they we'd be able to get into hiss mum said oh. oh yeah just get another cat out in front of him he'll definitely no training involved i, I was wondering <laughs> about um what areas of the film industry cat trainers work in. <laughs> there's no. cats that are used to being on film sets you do get that and they're like mm. like the cats in the sheba adverts oh that's all they do <laughs> <laughs> they are cute though yeah. uh, anyway today we're going to find out what you think of hammer horror but first let's kick things off with our highs and lows of recent horror viewing um cj we haven't heard from you for five months oh no pick two films highs and lows okay remember how it works i'll, I'll start with my high because i don't want to come back and and just immediately launch into a rant or a moan uh so my high i've been re-watching a lot of classics uh, over the past few weeks just to kind of make myself feel better uh and demons was very much my high the uh yeah. Barber, Dario Argento film. Uh, i think i might have actually said that was my high the last time i watched it uh because that would have been around the time that i was doing this regularly uh and i can't think anything would have beaten it that month because demons is one of the greatest films ever made i i keep thinking every time the magical wear off won't be as beautiful as it was but it, it is still a perfect film uh, and i love it with all my heart yeah got got the new 4k have you i i don't think i actually have the facility to play 4k oh, really? uh i watched it on blu-ray which was high tech about 15 years ago <laughs> <laughs> skip that one and then wait a few years until it's injected directly into your eyeballs i i hope i live long enough for demons to be injected right into my eyeballs that's, that's all i want that's it's my just goal the news, isn't it? that's the trailer of this episode <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so my uh, my low, don't know why I got suckered into watching anything that was a LFF, uh, but I did, and I watched a, a film called The Feast. Okay. Oh, is, I had a very good time at LFF. It's. Uh, did you watch The Feast? I did. Okay, well, you'll know that it's one of those films where absolutely nothing happens. It's not strictly true. Some people love it, and it was very well done for a film where nothing happens, but I, I do prefer films where things happen. <laughs> I um, didn't really stick around for any of the Q&As because um, one of the Q&As that I did stick around for of one of the 10 films that I saw at London Film Festival, um, the host asked the director, first question was, so your film is it's an allegory for grief. And I literally can't remember which of up to four films that that was after. That that is the uh, that's the trend in horror yeah. at the moment. It's allegories for grief. That's that's everything, and yeah. I find it really dull. I always find them really kind of rudimentary. They they don't ever penetrate grief. Uh, it, it's always just a hey, see this monster. That's grief. That is. <laughs> but I like the feast. I like the uh, the woman in it. The young cook. Who, who they bring in to help prepare the feast. I thought she was really good. Sorry, um, it's literally about a feast. I thought that was going to be allegorical as well. Yeah, no, 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 no it's, the, it's the a feast literal is, feast. It's real. The, the allegory is kind of a veganism, environmentalist thing, which I think that way. But uh, yeah, it's one of those films where nothing happens. Nah, I thought a lot happens. It, uh, the thing I didn't like about it was it just seems a little, a little slapdash and cheap. You can sense all like 20 quid of the budget on that <laughs> film uh, but other than that it was good i enjoyed it you don't need to spend a budget when nothing happens <laughs> emily i've not watched much this month that isn't hammer and i've watched two relatively well newish because obviously the whole timeline's gone weird with film releases because of the um the pandemic i watched two newish films that were kind of good but not amazing so can i have medium lights rather than highlights or low lights yeah medium lights they're a thing Okay, cool. Um, well, the first one is the uh, 2021 Candyman. Uh-huh. I thought it was all right. It did some stuff really, really well. Um, immediately left the cinema to pop into the ladies' toilets and hear some women slagging it off and going, I grew up on the original. This was terrible. Yeah, you like, ruined maybe... my childhood. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what, what, that, that was your childhood? That's a bit weird. It's got a couple <laughs> of scenes that are absolutely brilliant. It's one of those films that's kind of like good bits rather than a, a great whole, but I don't know why people slagged it off as much as they did. It's it's worth a watch. And your other medium light? Uh, was one that I watched today when I was just coming out of kind of migraine fog, and that was um, a Northern Irish film called Boys from County Hell. It's billed as a horror comedy. It's actually more a kind of vampire thing with a little bit of folk horror thrown in, which, you know, I love my folk horror, so that was good. Um, and there are some funny bits, but I don't know if they're funny, if, you, if like me, you have a, a kind of do a Northern Irish dad and you just go, <laughs> yeah, that's what Northern Irish dads do, even when vampires are eating their son's face. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's clearly quite low budget, but... Um, yeah, it's one of those films where it's a little bit like a puppy where it's trying to do something that's not quite strong enough to be a proper dog. Um, <laughs> and you're like, um, oh, bless, it's trying. And that sounds really patronising. It's all right. Suze. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yes, I saw a 2016 short film by Australian director who also wrote it called Tim Egan called Curve. Mm -hmm. And it's about 15 minutes no dialogue. It's just uh, a woman, fantastic actress, Laura Jane Turner. She was incredible. She is on the edge of uh, 
a very steep curved bit of concrete over an abyss and the 15 minutes is her trying to get up this curve she can see above her just a few feet above her is mm-hmm. the edge of the curve and safety and it is genuinely one of the most unsettling things i've ever seen oh wow is it an allegory for grief <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it is actually <laughs> sounds like it's an allegory for something it's a, i think it's an allegory for whatever you want i think it's one of those absolutely fantastic one of those things it's like this is the best thing i'll never watch again mm-hmm. um yeah i loved it and the other thing i watched i don't know if this counts because it's not a film and i don't know if it's strictly horror but it's squid game all right okay <laughs> there's some pretty horror elements to it and it works best if you watch it all in one day like i did because it was like watching a seven and a half hour film oh that's great <laughs> good shocks some good gore like <laughs> I'm sort of going to cheat with my high because it's it's still a spooky film, but it's Muppets Haunted Mansion. Okay. Because um, I had been to Disney the week before and um, been on the Phantom Manor. It's like one of my favourite rides, and the uh, the Haunted Mansion it fits in everything from the ride. Does it better than the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion film, and it's just a lot of fun. But the only problem I had with it was the person that's voicing Kermit is absolutely terrible. At the mm. moment, it's oh, no. not the it's not the same voice um, actor. He's been doing it since um, like the new TV series. Some of it, he got with fired, it. didn't he? The um... yeah, the original guy was there was like a whole thing after he did um, Muppets Most Wanted, and they did that Muppets like mockumentary show. Mm. Um, a new writing team came on that he didn't really like working with anymore, and they were trying to make it where characters things were changed, like the whole thing of. Uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy not being in a relationship anymore those types of things and he was like I don't want to be part of this if they're changing how the Muppets characters wasn't are meant the to subtext be. of that show basically hey well, guess what guys Muppets fuck yeah it was that and <laughs> we're like we've seen that, Muppet that Christmas Carol thing. we know <laughs> hang on hang on hang on which way around is this he didn't want to be part of it because Muppets fuck <laughs> or he didn't want to be part of it because Kermit had to fuck a frog and not a pig <laughs> no she was a pig wasn't she the new girlfriend yeah so he got divorced in that to miss miss piggy and then got a new younger girlfriend who was also a pig he's got a type (laughs) (laughs) they put in writing like sam was never meant to be in a relationship and then when it came to the tv show they had that he was in a relationship and sam the eagle yeah sam the eagle the original writers always said they never wanted him to be in a relationship why not i don't know why they did it but then is he just not into that yeah, so so then when the guy that voiced Kermit got all these like younger writers on board and they just were going against everything the Muppets was meant to be. <laughs> Sam must be single. That is a rule. That's really weird. <laughs> I always assumed Sam was gay. Well, yeah, there's, so in, in Muppets Most Wanted, there, that is hinted, but then he's in a relationship with a woman in the um, TV series. A oh, woman? Sam just yeah. come Not out. an eagle. Nah, just a, a human just, woman. Just a woman. <laughs> I think this sounds absolutely fucking perverted. I, <laughs> I, I didn't realise the Muppets had actually turned into Meet the Feebles, but it does sound like <laughs> borderline. Right. Who else is fucking who in the Muppet universe? I'm so intrigued by this. Was Fozzie Bear did have, in the TV series, Fozzie Bear was in a relationship, but they made an adult joke that it was meant to be that he had... T- signed up to a dating website but was getting approached by a lot of bears right he didn't realize you know it's meant to be a joke about the gay community so there was that type of thing in the show but then fozzy bear was in a relationship with a with a human woman as well met the family and everything yep so 
I, I might be picturing it differently from how it's depicted on screen. <laughs> they I were mean, trying to do like the sort of Larry Sanders show, but with Muppets, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were trying to yeah. do that. Who, who, is, who is it for? Is it like I watched one show? and I couldn't get my head around it. Yeah, it was meant to sort of be... It's weird because at one point it was like they were getting all celebrities on board to do interviews with them. So it was like, oh, is this meant to be for kids enjoy it as well because there was jokes in there that you think would go towards kids but then there's a lot of adult jokes in there because the whole thing was in a mockumentary style um, and you even had the Muppets swearing at points so it was like really? What yeah, really? I did not said the C word no, they <laughs> <laughs> who was it? was it Miss Piggy? I bet it was <laughs> yeah she's foul <laughs> yeah you can <laughs> Well, they worked out what Beaker was saying, and that was just swearing. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible profanities. <laughs> yeah, and your low? Uh, my low is, if, well, I don't properly hate it, but VHS 94, like, I was really, really excited for it, because even though the, the, the whole franchise had gone a bit downhill, I was like, okay, if they're doing it in 94, it's going to have, like, this old feel to it it's going to be quite cool they have got this whole like horrible grimy snuff look to it um but out of all of them there's only about two good shorts and having a really really terrible wrap around how many are there there's four now so this is the yeah this is the fourth one i remember the first one but i didn't realize they'd made others okay yeah or did you think there were 94 of them now (laughs) (laughs) i did a little bit of me went bloody hell (laughs) (laughs) um my high is uh that scene in eastenders on friday night with gray whitney in a state oh my god Um, it was so good. I didn't think I'd get to talk about it. <laughs> My heart. Oh, it's never such a good so job. I was chilled to the bone. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but no, my real high um, is Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright's new one, which is amazing. Um, it's so much in it. It really fills out the like, hour and 50 minutes with absolutely tons of stuff. It's like uh, sort of university comedy is uh, like fantasy magical re- magical realism sort of thing but fantasy mm-hmm. anyway it's like you know 60s nostalgia it's a jalo it's a fucking nasty horror film it's like it's really violent earns its 18 certificate so you're not in along have you seen it yet no i'm desperate to i saw the trailer mm. and there's two trailers and one was like watch this one if you just want to get a taster of what it looks like but watch mm. this one if you because it'll have some spoilers so i haven't watched that one so oh, I've just great. watched the one that's got a taster and I was like, ooh, yes, please. <laughs> I mean, it's so strong. It's like, um, you know, when Tarantino started making stuff like Inglorious Bastards and um, Django Unchained, mm. like, it's like, oh, well, he's put all the kind of Kill Bill Pulp Fiction stuff behind him mm-hmm. and moved on to more serious, more satisfying stuff. Yeah. This is Edgar Wright doing that, I think. Sweet. It's, um, much as I love Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, you know, mm. last night I just got. I miss all the slick editing. Like, the only thing they had with his editing in this is someone walking in front of the camera to go to yeah. the next scene. Mm-hmm. But it just, I don't know, I did enjoy it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as Edgar Wright's other films. And my low, I just watched today, actually, is an Italian film from 1987, <laughs> Jalo called Obsession, A Taste for Fear, which, you remember when we watched Fatal Frames? we still bear the scars when we watch fatal frames well i love fatal frames it's it's very (laughs) very much of that kind of ilk but done eight years earlier and just awful it doesn't have any of the adorable stuff that fatal frames does it's just got it's just a soft porn erotic thriller okay really vague plot that i just 
had no interest in at any point. And one point where the detective shoots at a car and his gun turns out to be a laser gun, which is never referenced again. (laughs) (laughs) Really odd. It's like, oh, is this set in the future? I'm not sure. (laughs) Very strange. Anyway, they were our highs and lows. Now it's time to wind back the clock to the 1960s, grow some sideburns and or expose our cleavages and select one of two possible different accents as we venture into the world of Hammer. And our first feature is Roy Ward Baker's 1967 film, Quatermass and the Pit, a.k.a. Five Million Years to Earth. Scenes you are about to see are more incredible than anything today's science or fiction ever imagined. Sometime in the near future, when we least expect it, they will come. Cities will burn. Mankind will panic. Our world will tremble, and the truth of an ancient past will be revealed. When it occurs, you will see men turn killers by mysterious power. Women will be defiled by the invaders from outer space. It's Barbara! She's the one! It could happen in your lifetime. See it before it's too late. During construction work on the London Underground, five million-year-old skeletons and a mysterious impenetrable structure are dug up, and rocket scientist Professor Quatermass is brought in to investigate. Well, I I think this is my favourite of all the films we've watched for Hammer this month, for our Hammer theme. Uh, Emily, you chose it as our first feature. Is it your favourite Hammer 2? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is. I mean, I, I, I really, really like it. And much as I like your traditional hammer, as in the, the traditional would be the sort of 70s ones where the blood's a weird colour and there's loads <laughs> of boobs and everything's very camp and ridiculous. I love this one just because the storytelling is so good. And I love this. Again, it's got a bit of the sort of the slight kind of folk horror type thing. I love the fact that it manages to kind of combine the sci-fi and the horror elements um, it's just a really, really solid film, and even though you know it's however many years old, it really it holds up really well. I mean, it's it's a little bit talky in places, and I think anyone who who went to see it on the basis of that trailer that you just played would be very, very disappointed. <laughs> Especially when they seem to imply that Barbara is defiled by aliens. She's not oh, by aliens. <laughs> come on, that scene where well, it goes all from beyond, doesn't it? She's like it does a little um, bit, yeah, but she's not. It's it's a she's definitely doing her cum face. Well, I was going to say, what about the scene where there's the high-pitched vibration and the kind of stiff upper lip military man gets it? I mean, if that's his yeah. cut oh, face, then... When his eyes roll back into his yeah. head. Yeah, oh my God. So it's much. very from beyond. It makes them come. This this vibrating <laughs> alien thing makes them come. And, I mean, it makes the walls come as well. Oh, the yeah, walls, it, like, it, it, yeah, it does sort of the Lovecraftian thing as well. There's a sort of bodily sensations beyond your comprehension. And, yeah, there's probably a bit of, bit of jizzing involved in that. Yeah. Um, but women defiled by aliens and in the in the, the trailer and then you've got oh barbara and in fact her psychic link is what kind of helps stuff even though it's very kind of garth merengue to have the woman the one with the strongest psychic link that kind of helps it out but yeah i just think this is a really really solid film absolutely love it really well written yeah what you said about the storytelling it is it is well written because it's like the way that it just unfolds bit by bit like mm-hmm. as they as they dig out this whatever it is uh, so there's the skeletons first and then they find this thing and then they discover more things about this structure. And yeah, it's really nice. It, it kept me guessing and it kept me engaged, which 
is more than I can say for a lot of the Hammer films we're going to talk about, <laughs> where they're just talking all the time. Plus, I like the fact that it's set in the modern day because that's rare for them mm-hmm. as well. And I like a London Underground setting as well. It's good. It's quite unintentionally funny at points. I want them to make a modern film now where someone says the line, not a sausage. It's just perfect. It's a good phrase. It does have some of the things that I don't get on with with Hammer, which is the strange accents and uh, the strange ways of pronouncing things. So like, apparently in Hammer World, workmen, they don't say fossil, they go, falsal. <laughs> I've dug out this oh, fossil. 60s cockneys, like, oh, yeah. you could keep it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> Someone's trying to sleep in here. You don't hear that accent anymore. Because um, during the war, during the war, they <laughs> evacuated all the kids yeah. and sent them, you know, they lived, they went out and lived in the countryside and apparently made, like, the cockney accent essentially die out because oh. of that. So that old cockney accent. So... No. So you th- so it was real. It was yeah, genuinely people did but genuinely. They were probably think. putting it. They were probably mm. putting it on for the film because it's twenty years after the war. Because uh, it's not like yeah. there's any shortage of actual cockneys since. No, then, yeah, but, but you hardly ever hear that accent anymore, and it, it's it's one of my faves. <laughs> it's sometimes on like really old forties. Um, like uh you know path eight films footage of interviews with kids like like mm. we come around here on our bikes and they tell us off they do and you, you, it doesn't sound <laughs> real but then when it's faked it sounds even weirder <laughs> you get the sort of slightly poshed up version that some people do like you imagine would be like somebody's mum's phone voice like dot yeah. cotton has <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> but yeah it's there, there is one person who's not there's the um the guy that's got the drill oh yeah and he yeah he's proper and then you got like the posh people who pronounce power as par. Par. Mm. <laughs> it was an amazing par. <laughs> <laughs> and why do they, why are these archaeologists doing their dig wearing like just office wear? Like suits, <laughs> dresses. I think you had to wear a suit in those days, no matter Even what. Even if do. you're an archaeologist in the London Underground. I've spent money on this frock. I've spent money on these boots. I'm fucking wearing them to work. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, aliens might try to make me come later. <laughs> I, I want to look good for the aliens. <laughs> they did wear gloves, though. Ah, good. It's professional. Yeah. yeah, that's true. True. Only after one of the army guys gets the tops of his fingers removed from frostbite. <laughs> um, what did you say of the alien insects then? <laughs> The massive, just just massive locusts. I think my favourite is when they come back later on when they have to go to the memory video and it's mm. just, I don't know why I, I laughed at that video because it was just some little locusts just dancing around. Yeah. Yeah. I also found it a bit disturbing, but I think that's maybe because I heard the explanation of what was going on as in insect race war as opposed to, mm. you know, if, if they just had that and then some nice cheerful music over it, I would have just been like, no, look at the little buggy dance. Yeah. <laughs> so It is cute. Um, CJ, you're a last minute replacement for Bryony, who's ill tonight. So uh, you didn't get a chance to rewatch this, but I, I have watched it quite, quite recently anyway, because I got the, the Blu-ray when that came out a couple of years ago. Um, uh, that was actually the first time I'd watched it because I'd always avoided anything with Quatermass in the title. Because mm. in my in my head, I, I thought that Quatermass was like a sort of Doctor Who type thing. Yeah. Very BBC sci-fi, not not my thing at all. Well, it's uh, a remake of a BBC series, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But but I think watching the film and going in thinking it was going to be some kind of Doctor Who stuff, I was really really impressed because, as Emily says, it's got a really strong folk horror aspect to it, uh, and I it, it gave me the creeps. Like I mm. find a lot of the uh, you know I, I know Nigel Neal 
wrote quite a mass and also wrote loads of stuff that I love. So I probably shouldn't have been so biased towards quite a mass. Yeah. Uh, but Nigel Neal just has a real good way of giving me the creeps. A lot of his stories seem to focus on stuff that is extremely old that we just don't know anything about. Mm. Uh, and that, that frightens me. There was a couple of things that reminded me of Halloween 3, which he <laughs> credited, came up with. Like, mm -hmm. that, I mean, there's the stuff in Halloween 3 about Stonehenge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love all that. I think there's a bit on the telly in, in Greater Mass and the Pit where you almost expect to say, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> yeah. And what I'm so impressed with, with this film is how straight the actors play it because they there's no self-aware you know dead campy acting and i think that's what makes it hold up we buy it because they buy it even the shonky late 60s practical effects we buy it because they all go ah <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> believe it it's also and it's it's over 50 years old but we recognize tube stations like we recognize london and I like this thing where it's got this folk horror feel, but it's set in, for the most part, in a very urban landscape. We get yeah. to see that destroyed, mm. which is certainly pre-9-11 was a huge deal, wasn't it? That was mm. 90s disaster movies. Get to see things you recognise get destroyed. And so uh, I guess they pioneered that. <laughs> you say that some of the effects are shonky and certainly mm. some of the bits with the crane and like the, <laughs> yeah. what is it at the end? The crane and the painting of the devil i didn't really oh yeah, yeah the devil and the sky i love that it's, he has to say the devil the horns devil like we <laughs> didn't know <laughs> that's what that is <laughs> but it's just not very it, i mean it looks rubbish so i mean it's probably helpful that he did say that it's like what well, the fuck is that gonna be but the bit with the furniture's flying around which is one of my all-time favorite horror yeah. tropes that i couldn't figure out how the fuck they did that it's uh, so clever yeah yeah must be matte painting and stuff like how they did mm. the invisible man in the 30s it must be the same or, or maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I love furniture flying around. <laughs> I was going to say with the devil, it, it it does look shonky as hell. But when matte paintings are used well, there's something about a kind of an otherworldly sense that you get from that. Mm. Where you're like, I know that that thing's not real, but it feels kind of organic in the same way yeah. that a rubber monster is always better than a CGI one. Yeah, yeah. Totally. The fact that they use this very high tech almost mm. futuristic music as well as the orchestral score. I think that really feeds into a lot of what the film's about, like this sort mm. of thread that ties the ancient and modern. And I don't know, I don't, films like this make me feel really cosmically insignificant. Uh, yeah, which is, yeah. Which is very chilling. Uh, yes. I think that's you are cosmically about. insignificant. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, but I try to forget that by watching films that make me feel uh, significant because, yeah. you know, <laughs> humans are the center of the narrative but i feel like this uh you've moved up it's... north you're just making yourself more insignificant <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. it's true it's true sorry couldn't help it <laughs> Other than our two features, we picked a fairly random selection of other Hammer films to look at. No rhyme or reason, really, but let's go through them chronologically, starting with 1961's The Shadow of the Cat. <laughs> oh, oh, all right, chuckle, 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 is it? What's, what's so funny about The Shadow of the, the Cat? The cat's eye POV <laughs> sequence is either genius bravura filmmaking or it is absolutely idiotic. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. This film's kind of a mixture of the genius and the idiotic, I think. It reminded me a little bit of like, you know, um, Dead of Night. I know that's quite a bit earlier than that. The mm. the black and white portmanteau film. It's a little yeah. bit like it was a lost sequence from that almost. It's got mm. that same kind of sense of 
you know, people having kind of dark secrets and something sort of supernatural going on. Again, this one sort of benefits from having a solid story, which is also quite silly, but they do really go for it. Um, there's some very dodgy accents, though. Oh, really? More? I, I want to see it if there's more sixties copy. <laughs> oh, it's it's um it's it's posh people, and there's there's also well there's the the maid who I think is meant to be Welsh, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bit Robert yeah. Downey Jr. in Doolittle. I haven't had the pleasure of seeing that, but <laughs> oh, it's really good. <laughs> I mean, Shadow of the Cat, I, I, I really like all the pussy shots, but I could do without the stiff men ejaculating all over the place. Let's put it that way. Oh. And, and that's CJ just doing a sound effect to accompany that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking of which, uh, I don't know if you noticed the uh, on the opening credits, the cat was trained by, and this is why I asked you what other... Um, areas of the film industry uh, the the cat trainers are involved in says it's because mm. the cat was trained by John Holmes ah which, well. very surprising <laughs> wow wow yeah no that is in, that is uh, he, he left us too soon <laughs> <laughs> maybe he died of cat aids not <laughs> oh mate <laughs> too soon too soon oh, oh. Cut that. But, I think you need but, to cut that bit. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't love to be associated with it. I'll take full responsibility for that joke. Um, is it the first example of like YouTube video? Because um, there's just a random scene of the cat rolling around with a ball of wool. For no ah, reason, but it's lovely. Yeah, everybody likes that though. Apart from people yeah. like cats, but they're weird. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like we've got an adorable cat. We're going to use all the cat footage that we can, and also that's a that's a scene of the cat being happy as opposed to just creeping that's, around, yeah. being <laughs> suspicious. Character development. Yeah, cat character development. It is very obvious that there was someone that was like, "I've got a cat. Let's put it in this film. <laughs> add some spooky music over the top." Who would do such a thing, Suits? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a crazy idea. <laughs> I think my favourite scene is that the the old man that is terrified of the cat is asleep in his bed. The cat jumps through the window, but the cat just keeps peeking up over the back of the bed, jumps on the bed, and they try and play the spooky music, but it's obvious that the cat's just laid down to have a sleep again. <laughs> but then the next shot is the man looking still terrified in his bed. The cat gets back up and then apparently the cat just eats the man's face in like they're just laying <laughs> on the bed. One of my favourite things when there's animals in films is like you've got like a cat just going do 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 and then they put in the ADR which is like as it's Love strays, that. I think is is really good for that because the the lead evil cat, so cute, Aww. but it's, it's just dubbed with all this. <laughs> when you know he's going. <laughs> with the film Nine Lives, uh, don't watch it because it's got Kevin Spacey voicing a cat. But um, oh, weird movie. Who's that for? I don't know, but for the whole film, it's it's obvious that they didn't actually get cats into the booth. That it is just a man making cat noises for the whole film. Probably Kevin Spacey. Yeah, oh God. That's, that's why they pay him the big bucks. Maybe he'll die of cat aids. <laughs> is that your catchphrase now? Yeah, yeah, it's my catchphrase. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that will cat on. Oh, I'm not feline it. Wait. Oh. That was catastrophic. Hey. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Ah. It's a double. Oh. It's a double. Purpose. Oh, right, and that was <laughs> Shadow yeah. of the Cat was released as the B movie in a double bill with the Curse of the Werewolf. How? How did that? 
<laughs> double bill. That makes that makes no sense. Well, cat and dog. dog. There's dogs. Ah, uh, yeah, they go dogs. together. Yeah. I don't know. That's not a bad rainy Sunday afternoon's viewing, that. I mean, bearing in mind also this was in the day when people could sort of nip in and out in the cinema, so maybe you wouldn't watch a film from beginning to end. Mm. So, you know, maybe that accounts for all the boring bits in quite a few of these. So Mm. it just be like, no, it gives you time to go out and get a cup of tea or... (laughs) I did did notice that. Very common practice, wasn't it? Was it Hitchcock for Psycho? He made mm. a rule where yeah. you couldn't show the film unless people were there at the beginning and stayed, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't come in halfway through and start watching. Um, yeah, and it was, and it, would, it there were actually like posters of him going, well, I urge you to watch this film from the beginning to end. It's such a, it's like, uh, here's how you have to watch this. <laughs> but it wasn't how people watch films, so it's amazing that people went, oh, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new it's rule. True, it's true, Yeah, yeah Curse of the Werewolf then. Um, I quite enjoy the first half where fucking just nothing it never gets going it, you just meet all these characters then like it cuts to 20 years later and half of them are dead so you have to meet a load more characters mm-hmm. i think it goes through about 50 years of plot time before mm-hmm. you actually get oliver reed as the the werewolf man and then there's only 45 minutes left for his story but i mean there are some enjoyable bits i like the start of it in typical hammer way even though it's set in spain uh you get people saying things like Yes, senor. <laughs> yes, yes, senor. Yes, senor. You do get a little preview of um, Oliver Reed because the opening credits are kind of like an extreme close-up on his face with like sort of silver wolf markings and he's just doing mad eyes in time to the, the, the music. To be honest, I think he's scarier in Oliver, which is U-rated. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, he's terrifying, terrifying in He's terrifying in Oliver. <laughs> because he said, I don't think I should do the song because Bill Sykes has a song and it's by far the worst song in the musical. And it was a smart decision from Ollie mm. Reed because it's way scarier that he arrives and is silent with just like some underscoring <laughs> rather right. than singing strong men tremble when they hear it they've got cause enough to fear it it's much blacker than they smear it nobody mentions my name and it goes round and round and round like that just does that right. I was in a, in a school production of Oliver and it does go on for ages yeah. and then in the end he goes what is it and they all go what is Bill it? Sykes it? <laughs> yeah it's bad imagine if Oliver Reed showed up and sung that in that film it'd be so weird <laughs> <laughs> It's mad. Oliver is my all-time favourite film, as I might have mentioned last month as well. Ah. <laughs> and I've only seen it on stage once, but that I was a kid. And I remember That's Your Funeral, yeah. the other song that isn't mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah, it doesn't I don't remember either. that Bill Sykes song. So maybe it was even cut from, by, from stage versions by that point. <laughs> yeah, it's rubbish. He shouldn't sing. And I used to think it was because Oliver Reed couldn't sing, but then I saw him do Wild Thing on Parkinson that time, and then I went, oh, I can, he's... <laughs> When he does first appear, one of the first things he does is is see a man and ask him if he's strong. And I was like, who do you think you are? Purple Aki? <laughs> but, um... I get that reference. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I got annoyed with the continuity of when he turns into the werewolf. They decided to do that really weird shot of showing the really plastic hands as they get hair on them. And then the next minute, he gets really, really hairy hands. And the next minute, when he goes to rip his shirt open, he's just back to having his normal hands. Not hairy hands <laughs> oh, anymore. So it. I was like, they've done this badly. They sh- they do that really good practical effect and then oh. blow it. 
Ah. The right effect. Like in Cats, how you can see Judy Dench has still got a wedding ring on. Oh, so that that was the. Oh, wow. So I saw that cut of the film. Did you see the bumhole cut? I I didn't see the bum the bumhole one, but <laughs> it was yeah. So they had they released the cut in cinemas first, which they released it with the wrong scenes because. They had to edit it really quickly. So mm. Judy Dench's normal hand <laughs> appeared in the film with the wedding ring. So I saw that cut and then two days later they had to send another package to all cinemas with the right cut where it actually had her with a cat hand. It's like, how did they mess up that much? That's what's... that was the only problem with that film as well. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> what's what's the bumhole cut? There isn't one. Oh. There is, there is. No, the, the one that they put out initially, um, they, the cats had bum holes. No, that's a, a hilarious myth. <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only, no, the only cut that was cat. ever released was the Judy Dench hand. Um, oh, I'm really sad it. about that. I thought there was a bum hole cut. <laughs> they didn't even have time to give her a cat hand. They weren't going around going, right, let's paint on cat asses. Oh, no, we're all talking about Judy Dench's uh, ass being painted on, just they forgot to cover it up. No, 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 there's no bump. There was, there's a cat that wears trainers in it, but only on two feet, so I was annoyed about that. Yeah, that uh, which, which feet are they? The, the back legs or the, the front? The, yeah, the back legs. Because if somebody's yeah. dancing with trainers on their hands, and they're like, <laughs> why are you doing that? I'm a cat, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to watch Cats again one day, aren't I? I've not seen even Cats. Though, even against my better judgment, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> I'm annoyed at myself that I stayed in the cinema and watched it. Like, t- two people walked out 20 minutes and I thought, oh, I should be doing that. <laughs> so and I bad. just stayed and watched it still. Problem is, it's, it should be so bad it's good, but it's just so bad. Yeah, it's just bad. It doesn't make it's, sense. It's not, it's not fun at all. Poor Although Jennifer I do Hudson. love that Mr. Mistopheles song. That's a banging song, though. I mean, I've, I've not yeah. seen the film, but... I love Cats, the musical. Yeah. I, I think the musical's brilliant, but I've, I've not seen the film. I, I yeah, just, don't, I don't go near it. I don't want to break my heart. You I've know, seen a couple it... of clips and just been like, no, that just looks awful and scary. Yeah. As soon as I saw James Corden dressed like mm. a cat, I was like, no, I'm, I'm out. You know what? James Corden is only like the fourth most annoying thing in it. Whoa. <laughs> That's how oh, bad yeah. it is. He's not, he's not the issue with this movie. Yeah, no. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you have Jason Derulo that comes in as well and is just... I'm surprised he, he didn't say Jason Derulo when he first came <laughs> into the film. <laughs> My wife insists that Jason Derulo's first hit, he says... Jason Derulo shitting on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) He's, yeah, getting ready for his role. Method. He was auditioning. He was in it for the long haul. He knew he was going to play that part. Daniel Day-Lewis has nothing on him. (laughs) Actually lived as a cat for three years. (laughs) (laughs) Trying not to say Cliff's catchphrase. <laughs> uh, should we get back to Hammer? Mm-hmm. So, a couple of less familiar monsters than werewolves next 1964's The Gorgon and 1966's The Reptile. The, the Gorgon, uh, I, I only watched for the first time today, and it's really interesting what Emily just said about uh, people coming in and going out of the cinema mm-hmm. because I have to admit my attention kept going in and out of the cinema Mm -hmm. uh and i just realized that it didn't matter even if i zoned out for five minutes ten minutes when i zoned back in i knew exactly what was going on there was no 
God, what happened? It moves so slowly. There's no plot in this film yeah. at all beyond the, the synopsis that there's a, a Gorgon in a village. Do they specify where it is? Somewhere it's in, somewhere like, in Germany. Middle Europe, yeah. I assume, but they don't make Europea, one of those. Yeah. Europea. Europea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But of course, they all talk constantly in these posh clips english accents mm. while standing around drawing rooms for 90 the, minutes the other weird thing is that even though i've seen a million films with peter cushion and christopher lee the specific things that they did with their facial hair in this mm. film made it really hard to recognize the faces at first i was like is it uh, is it Peter cushion is it is it but they had these like well, christopher lee's in it he was he just, he's made to look like an old chuffer he was 42 at the time and they put like big bushy yeah old man moustache on him and the dialogue he has to deliver is terrible it makes him look like a really bad actor yeah mm. uh what a shame yeah this this one's a bit disappointing because i i always like the idea of the gorgon as a monster and i just wish more people would do movies of it i mean i guess special effects wise it's going to be quite tricky but special effects wise it looked cool when she actually appears it's cool yeah but, but she doesn't appear till quite near the end but that's like all these movies the monster comes in right at the end you have like 80 minutes of guys just going here there, there's something in the village killing everybody and then like what, 80 what minutes later you finally see it it's like i was saying last month imagine if like malignant the monster turned up for the last minute imagine if the the name of the film was the monster so you don't mm. even have any surprise it's like yes i know there's a yeah. gorgon in this yeah, 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 that's yeah. to keep people in the cinema they're like oh, well i'm really really bored now and like, oh, yeah but we've got to stay because we've not seen the gorgon yet there it is yeah, yeah. let's go to the pub <laughs> yeah and the reptile is much the same it's very similar it's better I, it I think it's better going for it it's got this kind of like mad um old lady bird book quality that a lot of these um hammers have with like the bright colors and the the weird the weird shit and then in the end it turns out the, the villain is actually colonialism so <laughs> <laughs> it's an allegory for colonial grief not again the sort of henchman type guy doesn't even have a name his character in the end credits he's just credited as mm. malay Malay. As in Malaya, as in the colonial name for Malaysia. So he's he's credited as Malay, as in the Malay. Oh, right. Oh, shit. Malaysia. I didn't even clock that. Yeah. And it's sort of like, oh, she got turned into a reptile in the Mystic East. Ooh. It actually got quite quite cool in the in the very end where they start talking about the Mystic East and, uh, and the snake cult and all that. And when you see mm. the like, ugly eye reptile thing, that, that was cool. I actually always assumed that this was one of the scariest hammer films because of the design of the reptile which i'd seen in a photo and i thought quite does look quite creepy but no um it's it's so boring i just found myself wondering why does no one in these films ever wear casual clothes yeah <laughs> like mm. harry and valerie in it they're about to eat dinner and he says oh, i must go upstairs to finish getting dressed it's like you're wearing a fucking trousers and shirt you don't need a cravat and a blazer to have <laughs> dinner at home time for dinner dear <laughs> Sorry, what was that? It's just trying out some accent work <laughs> for the reptile. The, the one time people do dress down is when the ladies put on nighties. You'll notice uh, yeah. in the reptile, especially Jacqueline Pierce, at one point wears a nightie that is diaphanous strip of fabric, and that's it. Uh, She's clearly got nothing else on. She may as well not have bothered loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Slightly unfortunate given that she's talking to her dad in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought that. He's I like, like, daughter, are you okay? Yes, father, I'm okay. I'm just a bit, bit reptile-y. And <laughs> Cold, <laughs> bit chilly. They could have given her reptile nipples, but they didn't. Because budget, probably. What would, what would reptile nipples be? <laughs> 
Well, reptiles don't have nipples, so whatever you want them to be. <laughs> that sums up the problem with Hammer, really, is that they, is they should have given him reptile nipples. Like, the reptile should have had nipples, and the <laughs> fact that it didn't, that's Hammer. That's that's the kind of deficiencies that Hammer films often have. Michael Ripper's in this. Now, oh. Michael Ripper's one of the actors in these films I like. He's so good. With his funny Michael Evis face. He, and... he steals every film that he's in. Every yeah. single Hammer film that has Michael Ripper, he, he comes on. It's just like different level of class. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah. In this one, he plays... I was a professional seaman. Or as they'd have called it in Theatre of Blood. Come merchant. Come merchant. Um, <laughs> there's a bit where he gives Harry a drink in bed when, when Harry's laid up in bed. Michael Ripper gives, um, gives Harry a drink and Harry replies... I've got one for you downstairs. What? Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Bit much. But my overall thought about The Reptile is that it's such a limp film that a better title would have been A Reptile Dysfunction. Ah, that's good. It's <laughs> not bad, is it? Solid. Not bad. Yeah. Was it a box office flop? Hey. <laughs> it did not rise to the occasion. Hey. Oh, they're all dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> oh, you came in too cocksure. Oh, that's, yeah, no, that should have done that. As Hammer moved into the 1970s, their films got a little bit sleazier and sexier, such as 1971's Twins of Evil and Hands of the Ripper. Do I like Hands of the Ripper? I think it's Hands of the Ripper is a good one. Is it a Jack the Ripper movie? It is. It's about Jack the Ripper's daughter. Oh, sweet. They made a Jack the Ripper's daughter movie where she was like, I'm going to get into the family business. Yeah. Okay. So she um, goes around killing prostitutes, basically. Linda Barron <laughs> plays one of the prostitutes. She gets a load of hat pins in her eye, which through wow. her hand, it's pretty amazing. The gore is surprisingly sort of full on in this. Just... And that bit where the guy gets stabbed with a sword in his side and then has to hook the sword over a door handle to pull it out again. Yeah. Oh, fuck, that's yeah. really good. It's silly, and there's a scene where somebody falls down at the end, which is very clearly the dummy being thrown over Hannister's yeah. <laughs> shot, which we'll see in quite a lot of um, a lot of Hammer films. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's quite a sort of solid, sort of darkish one. This, I mean, it's I don't know but with some of the seventies Hammers. I'm not sure about. Am I enjoying this, or am I just enjoying the costumes? Because there's a lot of good costumes, suits, and that. Yeah, but also the all the ladies who are going around going, "Hello, dearie, do you want a good time?" <laughs> um, they've all got like wonderful like feather boas and corsets, and it's oh, all kind of... they've gone the lamez lovely ladies route. That's right, yeah, gotcha. very much so. <laughs> Whereas on the other hand, there's Laura, the blind wife or blind fiance of the hero, who's so like stoic and prim and nice she's like a piss take of all the all, how ridiculously nice all these posh people are in hammer films it literally is there's at one point she goes i'm just blind it's a bit of a bore really yeah. <laughs> oh no that's how blind people talk yeah. <laughs> that must be <laughs> i don't get how long she's been blind for it's, it's as if she's just come back from having been blinded going back home for the first time <laughs> feeling her way around oh hey, you've moved the mirror not that I'll be needing that anymore. Oh, God. What? So she's mm. always... <laughs> the film's like, let's remind everyone she's blind. Yeah. No, it's literally, I see with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a proto-dancer in the dark. Okay, okay. <laughs> if only. Uh, no, it is good, though. Um, and Twins of Evil. It's the third in the Karnstein trilogy, which we did the first two of back on episode 42. Less lesbian vampire stuff in this one. It's more 
There's a an evil vampire and a good not vampire. <laughs> it could have done with some um, lesbian vampire stuff. Couldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> There's some good hats in it though. One scene, the the twins have got these lovely pink hats, which I yeah. approve of. Apologies for not being aware of this film, but is it a, a good twin and a bad twin? Are they both yeah. bad? Yes. Okay. One of them's just a bit naughty at first, and then she gets turned into oh, a vampire, I see. and then okay. she gets really naughty. They were like Playboy models or something. They were, yeah. I think, the two twins, the Collinson twins. What is so weird is, is that one of them's hammer. doing an accent and one of them isn't. <laughs> There's a very bad effect where you see the the vampire one having no reflection. There's a candle in front of her, and the candle on the other side of the mirror, the flame is moving completely differently. So, vampire candle, I reckon. They oh. have different reflections. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where are we going next? Uh, ha was, of course, well known for its Dracula films. We did enough Dracula last month, so in terms of vampires, we're limiting ourselves to Dracula AD 1972, as well as Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. Dracula in the 70s. <laughs> There's hippies. Yes. There's a lot of funky music. Very quiet music. You can you can actually hear their feet stamping on the dance floor yes. over the music. But the music, at least when that funk music's playing and they're dancing, you go, fair enough. But they play funk music over his horrendous death as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> this film is kind of terrible, but it's really nice to see Christopher Lee and Pete Cushing back together again. I really like the scene in the church where they do the, the ritual and Caroline Munro's friends completely fuck her over by just running <laughs> away. Mm, yeah. Like... Like, a lot of that could have been avoided if they'd not just ran away. They're quite rubbish hippies, aren't they? Yeah. It's like, oh, eight minutes till the fuzz arrives. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hippie movement was kind of done by then, wasn't they? Mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. They were just, like, hanging on. Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee are giving it more gravitas and dignity than it really deserves, mm -hmm. but it is nice to see them back together again. That Black Mass scene... Where Johnny Alucard. No, yeah, I, I love the scene where Peter Cushing works that out and he's written Alucard. Oh, yeah. and he's, like, he's supposed to be a professor and it takes him all that effort, drawing it all that down. Oh, A-D... Oh, it's fucking... It'd be useless on Countdown. He would. Anyway, no, the Black Mass scene where Johnny Alucard's reciting Satan's various names... Um, I just watched this month uh, Satanis, the documentary about Anton LaVey. Mm. Oh, is it good? It's pretty good, yeah. It's a really interesting document of, um, was it San Francisco or somewhere? Uh, in 1967, I think. Mm. Uh, Anton LaVey does that exact same sort of black mass thing, just calls the devil by all his names to try and summon him. So it's all like, you know. Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Diabolos. Diabolos. Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. When he's finished with all the names, he just goes... Now, that's it for that part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Captain Kronos. It's bollocks, but I really like it. <laughs> okay. It's like a kind of comic strip kind of thing. I don't mean like as in the 80s comedy thing, as in it's like a kid's comic strip. It's sort of brightly coloured. It's almost kind of like... It looks like it's almost going to be the same kind of world as Blood on Satan's Claw, but a more kind of, a less kind of rapey version and with more toads. 
um you've got the kind of images of like bright bright colors in the sort of gloomy forest and um i get the feeling that they were kind of maybe trying to set captain chronos up as being a recurring character because this just feels like one story in you know someone's they were hoping for a franchise but it just never happened because no one was interested yeah i mean it it sat on the shelf for two years before they released it and by which point when it came out in 72 it must have just been like the tamest thing ever it's like Mm. I like Grost though, his hunchback assistant. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good character. I like him. I like the Lord and Lady of the Manor, where the the lady's got strong um, principal boy vibes going on. Yeah, with her sexy boots. Um, apparently, in this film, that you you find out if there's vampires around by burying dead toads, and if the toads have come <laughs> back to life, there's vampires. Yeah, and the scene where the um, the thug Kero, he's in a tavern and he like humiliates a prostitute, and then when the big rough bloke over the way is not laughing at him, he's going, "Go on, laugh at me, laugh at me." That's the kind of comedy the Daily Mail wants to see come back to the screens. <laughs> I, I was going to say that felt like that felt like my interior monologue in quite a lot of open mic nights. Go on, laugh, <laughs> at me. laugh, go on, laugh, laugh. How dare you? <laughs> and Ian Hendry, um, when that same character actually when he when he dies, is dying staggering across the is one of the all-time great bad death scenes yeah that's it's very the tone of this is quite weird because you're like this is funny and i'm not sure if it's meant to be once again though it's only like that i wasn't into enough so that my mind just kept wandering so when when uh chronos says this i ought to be out scouring the countryside chasing after phantoms (laughs) chasing chasing after phantoms Like that. <laughs> that guy, remember him? Okay. It's a real classic. There's a computer game, I can't remember what game it is, but it's an open world game. And if you walk to a field at one point, there is just a man there chasing after his dog, shouting <laughs> Phantom. Nice. It's one of the best computer games. Does he say oh, Jesus Christ in that yeah. delightfully Jesus exasperated, Christ. posh man way? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> he could, I swear, he's probably from a Hammerfield, that bloke. <laughs> he was filming one. When... Yeah. Some kind of weird time slip occurred chasing and suddenly he appeared. Yeah. <laughs> What's Captain Kronos? That's what happened to him after he didn't get his franchise. Is he saying Phantoms there? I think he must be, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, he does say something I immediately see. after that about war tortoise that I didn't quite understand. <laughs> war Remember, the war tortoise that, if nothing else. It's prequel to War Horse. <laughs> I would watch War Tortoise. That war would be tortoise. really moving. Bit slow, I just want my moving. tortoise back. He's gone to fight in war. <laughs> <laughs> Good boy. Good boy. And they get reunited at the end. It's very mm. moving. But, but the final scene does last 45 minutes. Come on. The punchline is that he ends up with shell shock. Hey. Hey. Before we move on, uh, it's worth mentioning that Hammer's biggest hit of them all wasn't a horror film at all, but the TV sitcom spin-off of On the Buses. Who's watched that? I have, and I wrote about it in my dissertation. <laughs> no oh, way. Oh, right, now. Yes. What, what was, was your, your dissertation, dissertation about? My dissertation's title was Why do sitcom-based films so frequently fail and can this be linked to the many ways in which intertextuality can be defined? <laughs> and one of my case studies Ooh, wow. in my dissertation was On the Buses movie versus <laughs> On the Buses sitcom. Um, and I sort of say in the dissertation, by the way, I hate both. And my dissertation tutor was like, take that out. No one cares what you think of either of these Mm. things. But I was like, like, they're both bad. But the On the Buses movie is the most 
feminist film <laughs> 20th century so they introduce a load of lady bus drivers yeah so the two main guys are like oh no i hate this so they start giving the women things like diuretics to make them have to need yeah. a wee load so that they have to stop the bustle time and run off for a wee and then they throw spiders at them at one point because <laughs> all women are scared of spiders um but then the end of the film, they're like, ha-ha, we did it. We managed to get all the lady bus drivers fired. <laughs> then Blakey goes, good news, though, boys. I've managed to hire them all back as inspectors. And so they're like, oh, no. But then one of the guys joins up with a very sexy female inspector, and they play tricks on Blakey together. So it's a feminist film. Yeah, but then what about the B plot about what happens to Olive? Because that's not feminist at oh, all. That yes. is a fucking horrible bit of nasty gaslighting. I used yes. to find on the buses upsetting when I was a kid, and it's, I think it's and, a grim, grim show. It is grim. I mean, I, I, I think in my because I, I remembered when I, when I was when I was rewatching this, I had in fact seen it. Though God only knows, I probably ran at my grandparents' house when I was a kid, but I don't remember anyone finding it funny. And it's not even like <laughs> there's nothing in it. Even with like Carry On films, there's kind of the way that they're played even just like the use of music and so on, you're like, oh, this is silly, this is a comedy. Whereas mm. in this, there's very little music. It's very kind of, I don't know. I think women are root for them too. Are we? I'm not sure. For Stan or for the women? Not for the women or for Blakey, who is the only one there doing his job. You think you're yeah. root for Blakey? No, I, no, you're not meant to. No, no, but no. I you're do. meant to, meant to um, <laughs> root for the two guys who look like melted yeah. Toby jugs. Yeah, who are always going like, cool, let's go down here, there's loads of great crumpets. Like, well, they're not going to be interested in either of you, are they? Anyway. Well, they are, the, though. Half of them are. Yeah, they are. The film and the show are awful. Uh, but to make it more cinematic, this is what I wrote about in my dissertation, because you have to, in order for a sitcom-based film to succeed you have to work within the medium so they had to make it more cinematic so they yeah. have a bit where they do a skid pan test yeah. on on a bus <laughs> and i wasn't aware it was such a massive massive hit uh, i looked it up today apparently it was the highest grossing film of that year it um, was yeah in mm. the whole country so no wonder they made three of the fuckers <laughs> i have never seen a single minute of on the buses either the tv show or the films check it out no, no, I'm never going to. I was hearing all this. Stuff. People, I, I was reading the reviews on IMDb. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> oh, if, you, if you're awoke, I believe it's called Snowflake. Don't watch this. <laughs> Feminists, step away. This film is not for you. P.S. Pronouns upset me. <laughs> the people that like it seem to like really, really like it. Mm. A friend of mine a few years ago found an on the buses fan site, which was, you know, <laughs> you, I, I'm kind of like torn between going, well, you know, people like what they like and enthusiasm and geeking out about things is wonderful. But on the other hand, have you seen this fucking show? <laughs> well, it's it's awful. the website called On the Internet. <laughs> it had a poem on it. I remember that. A poem? Yeah, there was a poem about oh, how, about um, just buses. basically mostly names of characters and about how. Remember all the fun we had with them, and you can't say this anymore. And yeah, it's, it's it was exactly a mournful poem. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what the heroes of On the Buses would have wanted. No, <laughs> remember um, us as we I thought lived. there was one funny line in it. I don't know if it bears repeating, but it's this where um, Olive's husband is talking about how having had a baby with her, he's finding that being a being a dad. He says, "Oh, I find it really stressful. It's a real strain. Uh, I don't like it at all." And she goes. I don't remember you complaining when you took your pleasure. And he just turns um, to the camera and goes, oh, I did. 
oh, that's horrible. Mm. He's basically yeah. going, I hate having sex with my yeah. repulsive wife. Yeah, yeah, well, he he just keeps telling her repeatedly that he hates her. Yeah, and yeah. She's rubbish. And she goes, oh, Stan, oh, you are hurtful, Stan. <laughs> That's it. She never has a punchline. What they should have done, if Hammer was going to make films on the buses, they should have made two films. One would be Olive's Revenge, where she just kills that fucker and just tortures him <laughs> yeah. for an hour and a half. And then they should have done Blakey's Revenge. Yeah. Where he just goes into the bus garage with a pump shotgun and, oh, I hate you, butler, and just kills everyone. Oh, man. <laughs> I would love to see Blakey lose his mind, shoot them both, and then just only work with professional women. Yeah, what's interesting at the beginning is that one of the women is like trying to adjust the straps on her bags for like taking the money and she's like oh, i can't get my straps sorted out and the, no. the 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 two pervy guys are just like oh and then yeah. blakey just comes in and just helps her and it's fine yeah. it's like look, look guys this this guy can help a lady without going oh my god she's got tits Blakey's not a real man because he didn't sexually harass that woman. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a joke at the beginning where they sort of imply that uh, Blakey is is bi, and that's just like right. really weird. And then they, yeah. then they imply that he's been stealing ladies' pants and that's... oh, projection from our heroes. Yeah, Jack is the one who, according to our last month's guest uh, Sally Ann Fellows, is the man who looks most like Nosferatu without makeup. <laughs> and without meaning to be mean about someone's physical appearance. Oh my god. <laughs> He really does. It's the teeth. That's it's amazing. So true. Oh yeah. He <laughs> should have been yeah. a vampire. Should have got him as a vampire. Admittedly, he can't do anything on camera without going. Cool. Yeah, oh, <laughs> poor old you, having to be with Olive. Oh. Right. Yeah. Listen, mate, you're permanently single. Uh, right. Uh, let's move on. Are I we think. not going to do another hour on on the bus? <laughs> <laughs> we probably could, but probably not. And our second feature comes from 1966, directed by John Gillen. It's the Plague of the Zombies. I saw him just as clear as I see you now. All grey. His eyes staring. I saw him. And yet I know he's out there, lying in his coffin. No corpse can remain at peace in this village of the undead, this land of the zombies. In this place, no one is safe. No one can hide from witchcraft, superstition, and fear. Even Sir James Forbes, the clear-headed man of science, was forced to accept the horrifying facts. Someone in this village is practicing witchcraft. That corpse wandering on the moors is an undead, a zombie. When Sylvia Forbes hated the young squire, it was dangerous. But when she fell in love with him, it was lethal. And when they met, it was moida. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, an eminent doctor and his daughter travel to Cornwall to investigate a series of mysterious deaths which appear to be connected to the sinister village squire. This is one of a series where a lot of the preamble seems to be a woman going, let's go and do a thing. And the mm. man going, you're interrupting my work. And you never find out what his work is. <laughs> I mean, Blakey would never say anything like that. No, he'd go, what activity would you like to do? And yeah. she'd say, well, I don't know. I was thinking maybe a, a walk down the river. He'd go, I'd love that. Because you'd love that. Because Blakey Aww. is a great guy and he's oh. my dream man. Oh, oh, but, but please do it in the voice. <laughs> oh, do it because you'll do it because you love it. <laughs> Blakey has got a hot wife 
And that's why Jack and Stan are pissed off. It's Reg Varney, isn't it? Reg Varney. He's the Nosferatu guy. No, it's the Reg Varney's the little gnome one. It's the Reg other. Varney's Jack. Oh, I got them all the way around. So that's a while since my dissertation, and I never felt like revisiting on the buses the movie. Uh. Yeah. But, uh, my heart belongs to Blakey. Yeah. Plague of the Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, isn't the when you saying that about the man? There's the whole part where the woman's like, "Oh, look, there's a fox over there." He's like, "I've seen a fox before. Yeah. I've seen I've seen about three before. Probably looks the same as the one I've seen." You've seen foxes in London? Don't be ridiculous. Mind you, I mean, would they have seen foxes in London in supposedly Victorian times, whenever this is set? Because no one, they wouldn't have seen the bins, would they? I don't know because I don't remember ever seeing foxes in London when I was a kid. I just kind of assumed that if you're gentry, one of the perks is that you never get to see a bin (laughs) don't know if if that's true but no that there are there are more foxes now but yeah it's it's very much kind of like look a fox and he's he's awful the the dad he's 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 a dickhead i like him though andre morel plays him um and at least that character is meant to be posh as fuck oh that's true i know he's he's well played but just the character's a dickhead Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, Sir James. I mean, he's, he's not just like Hammer's weird idea of what ordinary people are like. He's, he is meant to be posh mm. and possibly out of touch. Um, John Carson, who plays Clive Hamilton, the squire, his voice, I was really trying to place where I knew his, his voice from. And I thought, has Matt Berry stolen his voice? <laughs> is that where it comes from? You know those adverts where that guy does an impression of Matt Berry because they obviously couldn't afford Matt Berry? Can you copyright uh, a voice? I think you can, actually. I think if it's obvious that they're literally just doing an impression, you couldn't, like, go, I'm Robert De Niro and I endorse this bread and have it so that they're (laughs) pretending that they're making it so that we think it really is Robert De Niro. So instead they had to get real Robert De Niro to sell Warburton's bread. Everyone went nuts yeah. over that advert. Do you remember? They went like, what's he doing? He's selling this like, it's just an actor in an advert. Don't worry about it. Maybe he just likes the bread so much and he did it because he got paid in bread. Yeah, he like he's a guy who likes bread. He just likes good fella bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pizza, not bread. That's the only bread he likes. The bread at the base of Goodfellas pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> no, Goodfellas bread is when the cops come for it and then you have to flush it down the toilet with the helicopter comes. Yeah, fair. <laughs> you want to see helicopters? I'll show you helicopters. I was referencing Goodfellas. I'm not having a breakdown. <laughs> I knew. I was there. I was right there with you. Goodfellas was heavily influenced by Plague of the Zombies. Was it? Was it? Was it? Yeah. They you both had the, men um... in coffin scene in the man's <laughs> just looking out the coffin so so fella. i guess when martin scorsese did that famous tracking shot through the back of the restaurant yeah. and you know that was filmed in cornwall <laughs> it was in a tin mine <laughs> um but also on john carson who plays life hamilton uh, according to IMDb, he did a load of gay porn when he was in his late 70s. Oh, that's bold. Including films called Boys Briefs 4 and Short But Gay at 11. Short But Gay at 11? Short But Gay at 11. No, as in the 11. <laughs> that implies there were 11 that's, films. That, that one's yeah. not like VHS 94. Yeah. There are 10 before it. Hang on, wait. Give me that title again. Not short at, But the Gay, at, volume not 11. Don't worry. Short Gay at 11. Short But, no, like, Short like But. Like volume 11. Short, Short, as in as in low of height, yeah. but 
Ass. Not as in ass. Not as in ass. Short butt, right? Yeah. That's what I gay, said. So, gay. As in, yeah. you know, <laughs> volume 11. Volume 11. Yeah. These guys go tap. up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we make 10 the oldest gay? <laughs> I, like, short, short, but gay, not like, you won't expect this. This guy's short. Oh, yeah. And he's gay, and they're like, <laughs> spit out their drinks. What? what are you fucking talking sure. about? Yeah, and but he's gay. And he's in his 70s, apparently. Because mm. he's all stooped. He's all stooped in height. And they do the accents, they're like, he used to be five foot ten. But now I'm short, but gay. I just have a question about playing the zombies. Nothing to do with uh, any of that. Um, it's been a while since i've watched it but my enduring memory of it i'm not sure if it's real or or if Mm. i've just mashed it in my head with something but is there a scene where a character opens up the door to his wardrobe and goes through and basically enters voodoo wonderland where he's got like a whole bunch of voodoo guys in his wardrobe essentially Mm. there's like a hidden there's a mine yeah, There's a, like, just a mine hidden under which, his house. full of zombies. Right, and he gets he gets to the mine via his wardrobe. Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. And the people play um, bongos really enthusiastically. Yes, that's, that's mm-hmm. right, yeah. Yeah, so. it's quite proto-Italian cannibal films with the whole zombie uh, voodoo okay. stuff. Okay, because yeah. it's... It, it's I, I know of this film. It, it kind of do, does the Haitian zombie thing, doesn't it? Yes. Um, which was, at one point, like a big phenomenon, and we've covered mm. it on my podcast. Like, basically, they would drugging people to the point where they were virtually automatons and some of them would go missing for 20 years just working for free it's mm. all drugged up it's nuts i don't think his motive is ever given don't know why he's doing it uh zombies are working in the mine i think is that it just because cornwall run out of tin miners yeah is that seriously it he just wanted to dig out some tin i think so yeah you don't you remember zombies support the miners? <laughs> I don't remember that. Gay and lesbian zombies support the miners. Yeah. Short but gay zombies. <laughs> 79 year old gay and lesbian zombies support the miners in Cornwall. <laughs> he's what? He's, he's short, right. But gay! <laughs> How, he can't be both, that's two things. Haven't you seen the previous ten films? They're always <laughs> short and gay. How's the first film open? Is it just them realising they're short and gay? Is that, is that how they got the name? Do they realise it mid-sex scene and they go, hang on a minute, how tall are you? There's a little guy, he's 79, he stands at the door frame. His mother, who's very, very old indeed, she does a line above his head and then she writes next to it, Vol 11, and walks away and then, like... Short but gay appears on the screen next to it, like, and the, and then you're like, ah, oh, here we go, here we go. See, I was imagining is this, these are presumably adult films that instead it would just be like a, a a graphic sex scene where he's like giving someone a blowjob, and the person who's on the receiving it suddenly stops and goes, hang on a minute, how tall are you? And he takes the lip out of his mouth and goes, I'm I'm five foot one. Why? Oh my god! Wow, you're short but gay. <laughs> Uh, could you could you stand up? And he goes, I am standing up. <laughs> and then the guy goes, This has only happened to me ten times before. <laughs> oh man, why do they lie on their grinder profiles? <laughs> Is this the sort of thing your listeners like? 
they never get in touch. <laughs> They're ashamed. Another week has gone by with my favourite podcast not going through the iconic short but gay series. <laughs> I, I love how there's probably going to be a whole bunch of Hammer fans listening to this, wanting to hear us have a nuanced discussion of oh, their no. favourite studio. I think <laughs> they're getting an absolute like ripping of underbusses. I'm Fuck. writing it down. I'm immediately <laughs> going to do an entire routine on short but gay. That's amazing. <laughs> it's the f- fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. Gay, uh, not gay porn, just porn. It doesn't have like the titles aren't that funny. Sometimes you get a pun title like "Shaving Ryan's Privates," but it, it like that's funny, and they don't know that it's funny. I don't think. Short but gay. <laughs> it's really it's just very, as well. It's very to the point, though, isn't it? It's yeah. Just like, also, it's like that they were coming up with things for um, search engine optimization years before that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so rather than things being called racy nurses at 4 a.m., like Nosferatu from On the Buses would have watched back in the day in the naughty cinemas in Soho, they're now called <laughs> things like babysitter banging. Also, I'm. I'm short all, but gay prefigures that. All, all I'm picturing is I'm not picturing. People with dwarfism who are gay, I'm thinking it's guys who are about five three, five four. Yeah, <laughs> they just you know they they they're just guys who are a bit short and average. Yeah. Going hi, I'm Reg Varney. This is short gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Right, um, <laughs> I don't know what, how to link out of that. Really, <laughs> plague of the zombies. So if we're talking about it in a proper sense. Um, I still hate that the best scene turns out to be a dream sequence. Which scene is that? When everyone comes out of the graves and they go to grab the map and then all of a sudden he wakes up and he puts his hands on his face and he screams and he says, ah, I'm short, but... Alright, let's play scary noises. So, uh, there are. Uh, I'm just imagining, you know, um, in Return of the Living Dead, where they've eaten the place when they go, send more cops. <laughs> the, like, the zombies are all attacking the guy. They're like, short but gay. <laughs> oh no, it's the short but gay zombies. <laughs> the only way to take them down is just run a little faster. <laughs> Because zombies are slow, and if they're short, they cover even less ground. You go in a multi-storey car park, it takes them ages to get up the ramp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, six pairs of audio clips uh, from horror films that you are going to hear, and you need to identify each of them, and you get a bonus point if you get both in a pair. Um, what uh, buzzer-type noises have you brought along? Luke, you've got your frog. Oh, Emily. Got the shaky egg. You've got your shaky egg. Uh. <laughs> CJ, you've got... Have you unpacked the banger bell since moving house? Uh, we have, but it's in the other room, which is such a long way away now that I can't be bothered to oh, get no, it. Oh, you live so, in a house. Um, I have... Up north. A pair of scissors. Scissors will do. Don't don't cut your headphone lead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Came close. <laughs> and Suze. I, I don't have anything that makes a noise apart from me. I, I, a hawk screech. <laughs> That'll do. CJ and Suze, you are a team versus Emily and Luke. Oh, sorry, CJ. Here's your first pair of scary noises. Real sorry about your family. Don't be sorry because there's nothing to be sorry about yet. Yes, Emily. Uh, The music is The Plague of the Zombies. It is not. Bollocks. Dialogue. I'm real sorry about your family. That's that's the bit I heard, Emily, if you remember that. 
You said I'm real f- sorry about your fam. There's nothing to be sorry about. Uh, what's that from? What's that from? <gasps> it sounds familiar, but I don't know. Nah, no, don't know it. All right, Susan CJ, can you get the music and dialogue? Uh. Real sorry about your family. Don't be sorry because there's nothing to be sorry about yet. I, um, a kid had a cell phone, but he, he never made calls. He just texted on it, you know, like games. But my wife, she had one, and I called her right before it happened when I met you. So I don't know if she was on it. Susan CJ, did you get that? I don't know where the dialogue's from, but is the uh, music Cannibal Holocaust? No, it was uh, Dracula AD 1972. Oh, oh I should have got that. And did you get the dialogue, CJ? Was it seven? Oh, I really thought you were about to say sell. Oh. Number two. How come I don't ever get any other good roles anymore? How come nobody takes me serious? Emily. The music is from The Reptile. It is. Oh, it's the crazy sitter. Someone. Yeah. Love that. Uh, don't know. Luke, Luke, do you know what that is? No, all I have is how come I don't get the good roles anymore? All right, uh, CJ and Sears, can you get the dialogue? How come I don't ever get any of the good roles anymore? How come nobody takes me seriously? Thanks, kids. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, look at me. I'm an Oscar nominee, for Christ's sake. Now I'm fucking a puppet. Got no fan mail, no paparazzi, no stalkers. Well, there must be something I'm right for. Is it a Chucky movie? It's got to be either Bride or Seed, surely. I'm leaning more towards Seed just because that had like a whole film within a film postmodern thing going on. I'll leave it to you. Seed? Yeah, Seed Chucky. Ah, All right, number three. And so life begins again. Begins again for me and for your father. Father is dead. No. Yes, Emily. The dialogue is from Captain Kronos. It is. Music. I don't know. No, I don't know either. Nah. Okay, so Susan CJ, music. And so life begins again. Begins again for me and for your father. Father is dead. No. Father is dead. Dead of the plague. No. Never dead. Ah, it's, it's making me think of like a Stephen King. I was off on a totally different direction. It sounded like one of those Italian, like Riz Ortolani scores. That right. It's going to be a beautiful piece of music for an app, absolutely reprehensible <laughs> film. Ribcage. Like, Yellow in Venice or something really, <laughs> really grim. Um, but I'm not sure. You're, you're way off. It's oh. actually Jerry Goldsmith, a very similar score to Basic Instinct. It's Hollow Man. Oh, oh. where you wow. see his hollow dick. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's the full title. Hollow Man, where you see his hollow dick. <laughs> hollow but gay. <laughs> he blatantly isn't in that He's film. He's not gay. No. Would that he was. Absolutely. No, it's a good film, but horrible. <laughs> Halfway stage, it's 2 1 to Luke and Emily. Uh, number four. Listen carefully. I haven't much time left. Yeah, Luke. I think I probably got it wrong, but is the music will create a mass in the pit? It isn't. Ah. Dialogue. Ah, Emily? Don't know. CJ and Suze, can you get the music and dialogue? Listen carefully. 
I haven't much time now. I have to write a letter to my son, Paul. He should be here tomorrow. In the morning. Take the letter and give it to him. The dialogue is from the Gorgon. It is. Ah, because of Paul. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about the music. That music is, I mean, it's barely um, music, isn't it? Uh, it's weird. But... Makes me think it might be one of those movies like Mandy that's barely a film. Ah. Um, <laughs> you know, one of those sort of 80s tributes that tries to do 80s music but does it badly. I felt, it felt quite a little bit Lynchian. Oh, oh, maybe. We we could go halfway and do a, a Lynchian movie that's also sort of Se- shitty. Oh, it's 80s. set in the eighties. Yeah, like the Neon Demon. <laughs> oh, let's go with the Neon Demon. Yeah, it's uh, Deathbed, the bed that eats. Oh, Deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does sound like that. The whole film does sound like that. Uh, number five. You see it? Yes. While we were out here fumbling with that music, the lousy bastard was in there killing her! Bastard! Yes, AJ. It's the dialogue from Pieces. Of course. And music. So the music's got to be a hammer thumb, then. Um... On the buses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only that was the music for On the Buses. (laughs) Can I guess... Can I guess the music? Yeah. Uh, uh, Shadow of the Cat. <laughs> it's not Shadow of the Cat, no. Uh, Luke and Emily, can you get the music? You see it? Yes! While we were out here fumbling with that music, the lousy bastard was in there killing her! All I remember is it's definitely one of the ones that has like a really, really abrupt ending. Is it the Oliver Reed is a werewolf one? No, it's Twins of Evil. Oh, look at this. It's two all with one to go. So who's going to win? Staring at me. Staring at me with its horrible eyes. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Uh, Is the dialogue from Shadow of the Cat? It is. Hey. I thought it was going, Stan, Stan. I was like, something else. <laughs> I, I thought that as well. <laughs> My little face went, it's on the buses. I went, no. He would be, though, Stan with those horrible eyes. <laughs> I wish that was actual dialogue from my <laughs> Yeah, you tell him all your eyes. I'm running off with Blakey. <laughs> Did you get the music? Oh, mm. somebody sampled that on something. I'm feeling like it must be Rob Zombie, but I I don't know. Am I am I no I'm on my own there. Never mind. <laughs> Play it again. Nah. <laughs> nah. Staring at me. Staring at me with its horrible eyes. Its horrible accusing eyes. I uh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm afraid of a cat. You, of all people, have you quite finished? Is the music Hellraiser? Oh, that's a nice guess, but it's wrong. Uh, no, it's, it's the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. 
I tried to wipe that film from my mind, <laughs> so that's why. But CJ loves it. Best so. in the series. <laughs> Ridiculous thing to say. Anyway, 3-2 to Luke and Emily. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Devil Time Survive. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and keep spreading the word. Suze Kempner, thanks so much for coming on board this month. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> I Hope you enjoyed lot. it. <laughs> yes, I did. I, and everyone learned a lot about horror from me, from about Hammer Films. <laughs> Where can people get more Suze action? Well, your best bet is Twitter, twitter.com slash SuzeUK, S-O-O-Z-U-K. But you may also be interested in, I've done a series of videos called Classic Lines From, and there'll be like a style of movie. So I've done Classic Lines From 90s Teen Movies classic lines from live action disney but i make all the films up and uh, it's just me doing 10 classic lines from hammer films such as the hands of the past the professor's mistake and karate no it's not called karate dracula it's called the kick of dracula (laughs) but it's van helsing does karate i'll put a link for that in the in the thingy do you want one line from it go on yeah right here's one of the classic lines this is from the peril of the mirror Dr. Narcissus, please give me back my possessed hand mirror. So that. So look that up and, you know, we'll all have fun. And look out for me, I'm in short but gay volume 12. <laughs> Upcoming projects, but the coming is spelt all sex way. <laughs> and um, do you want to plug your other podcasts as oh, well? Oh, yeah, shit. Uh, yeah, yes, I should. If you like true crime because you're like me, a white woman, um, <laughs> love it. You, I do a true crime podcast with Chris Stokes and Masood Milas. We are three comedians drinking cocktails and solving real life mysteries, mystery on the rocks. And oh, the Queen podcast. I do the official Queen podcast with comedian John Robbins, Queen historian Simon Lupton, and our producer, Rowan Acaria, who is a Queen superfan. Come and listen to stuff about Queen. Cool. And anyone else got anything to plug this month? CJ, are you doing a regular thing with this day in metal now? I am doing a regular thing with this day in metal now. I'm doing a once a week uh, top 10 roundup of recent releases. Uh, I'm doing the occasional video, doing interviews, articles, all sorts of things for them at the moment, which is a new thing for me. Cool. Well, next month, we're going for the stiff upper lip restraint of Hammer to the absolutely unrestrained wackiness of Troma. And we'll be joined by film director Sam Ashurst to talk about The Toxic Avenger, Class of Newcom High, and many more movies like those. So, until then, thanks again, Suze. Thank thanks you. for coming back at short notice, CJ. Thanks, Emily and okay. Luke. And thanks Cheers. to everyone who's listening for listening. We hope it wasn't too disappointing if you wanted some hammer facts. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>